0: You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast.
1: Swung and lined the deep left field. It is gone. Hit left, deep right. Batista going to wave goodbye.
0: Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 126. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode. We'll talk about some some meatballs, some things to talk about about recent games, we'll talk about the all-star break and who did well and who didn't quite win the home run derby, we'll talk about the Indians' bullpen and how they've been lately, and we'll look ahead to the trade deadline and a new rule going into effect in Major League Baseball's guinea pig league about stealing first base and how we think about that, and of course we'll answer your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? You said you had two things lined up to come back to me with. I do. Well, I just, And I, you go, I with, hey, how are life.
1: you? <laughs> it's important. To... <laughs> all right. I was thinking about this today. Uh, this is in the wake, obviously, of uh, of uh, Novak Djokovic beating Roger Federer in the Wimbledon thing today, which I watched all of. Um, I've never spent five hours doing anything before, but here we are. What do you think is the best sport for television, For specifically for television? What do you think it is? I always feel like football is really
0: up there, which seems weird
1: because there's so many. You know, breaks, and for but... the for the longest time, I did too. I think it's tennis, and I and I'll tell you why. One, you see the entire court, which I think is underrated because with ten, you know, with football, obviously, we don't see everything going on. Um, there's the anticipation when the when the quarterback lets go of the ball. Is there anyone down there? Let's find out. Which <laughs> these days seems a little bit, I don't know, flawed but that's fun and like you said the breaks build anticipation stuff but tennis has within it the anticipation of of the ball going up and then the serve happening um it has the constant back and forth they don't stop at all it seems like very much i was between uh sets or uh, sets they do but then their technology is incredible for tracking the ball i feel like they've had better ball tracking technology than the military for uh, decades now ever since John McEnroe almost killed a man
0: yeah to relate that to to baseball we can is that how could what do you think baseball could learn from that the the one I thought was that you mentioned that you see the whole court Mm -hmm. I would love to see more of the field just like a high angle yeah just give me one view and don't cut in a play
1: I hate and I I think I mentioned this last week um watching Francisco Lindor or um and uh John Smoltz mentioned it during the all-star game too watching someone like Nolan Arenado you need to be in the park for that because that cut between the batted ball and the fielding, there's it's, it's not a lot of time. But it's enough time where the thing that makes that player so special is completely lost. There was, uh, today on Sunday as we record this, there was a, a shot that they used during uh, one of Bobby Bradley's at-bats where it was just behind the catcher. You know, it was just from behind the catcher. That's really all it was. But it showed the shift. And really all it didn't show was the movement of the pitch. But, I mean, yeah, fine. Um, it sucks not be able to see the strike zone, obviously, because that's kind of where a lot of the action happens and seeing a, a dirty curveball or something is always fun. But I just feel like that if there's a way that they could transition over into that angle, that would be that would achieve the seeing the whole field thing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I've, I've always thought the future of it would be like I've likened it to Twitch where you can like see multiple things a lot of the time. I just want control over the cameras. You can like leave a constant. I don't know how hard that would be as, as far as like infrastructure to do it, but just let me pick the angles everywhere so I can get that angle to see no one or better. Or I can just watch from like high up if I want, or I can just watch a regular TV broadcast if I want to. I think it's the, the future is eventually letting people choose that stuff, but it's easier to give us that many high definition feeds.
1: TBS did that in the, they, and they do this every year in the playoffs. They're um, Turner in general. I think their sports presentation is probably the best in, in any business in terms of the uh, availability of everything, because obviously they, they, they do their best work with the NBA, but during the playoffs because they always get one of the divisional series or two of them or whatever you can go on to tbs.com and you can watch from multiple angles and it's totally great uh, oh, i did this, not know that I yeah check that you, yeah exactly you, like it's um it's definitely best as a secondary thing like to have it on your television and then also be able to watch it on your computer or something like that so you can have certain angles and things like that but that is definitely i think the next the next step uh is that multiple angle integration if you can't actually be there in, in person? Because like I said, like there's just there's so many little things going on and well and so many interactive for such a static game in a way, once the ball is put in play, there's so many things happening at the same time that don't get can't it, it's physically impossible to capture on the screen at the same time. Like, um I think the perfect example of this more than anything is a triple, right? What do you want to watch, you Matt Lyons, What do you want to watch when a batter hits a triple? Is
0: my question to you. I'm trying to think is it between I don't really care about watching him run. It's just more right? about where the ball went, and I, I know what a guy running the base looks like. Right. I want to see what happened with the ball when it was hit, and what right. the outfielder did the and throw that's what I all that more. stuff. Right. right. Like,
1: like that's why being at the park for a triple or something like that is. I don't think I read about this last more year. Exciting. Actually, I happened to be at a game at Camden Yards when I, I think the Indians hit like four triples or something like that. It was a, it was just a crazy game, like, and the different <laughs> angles and things, and the throw and the you know the the cloud of dust and all that stuff. So that is, I mean, those are the events, the the, the massively dynamic events that are impossible to catch the way baseball has been broadcast over I would say since uh, for the past 50 years cuz you watch some of those old games from like the from the World Series and stuff and they only had one camera and it was like way high up in the press box so all you saw was just the pitch coming in and then the you know because the camera the film always seems sped up and the and the base runner running and stuff so maybe maybe the old way is the right way I don't know I think it was yeah, um, no, I like it was Rob Fre- Rob Friedman, the the pitching ninja, who has mentioned this several times on Twitter. That that behind the batter angle really is much more instructive to the game as a whole, as opposed to um, what we see now. Now, obviously, as baseball becomes more and more three true outcomes, does it really matter? Does that side of things really matter? I don't know. the The batter pitcher matchup is you know the the basis of the entire game. So seeing that in its most raw sense might be the most vital part. But if you're trying to draw people in to make and show the game as it as it can be, I think that there's something different that can be done. And like I said, just to, to draw back to the tennis thing, I just being able to see everything going on and have it all just in one shot is it's really refreshing. I have to say, and I can't, I honestly can't think of another sport that, that pulls it off. Uh, basketball to a degree for the most part and hockey, same thing, because they can use the one camera that swings back and forth. But even within that, there's things going on. i go like a long, you know, like pass up the ice or a, I don't know. You know, like one of them. Yeah. Uh, I think there's
0: something to be said just for the lack of movement from a camera at all in yeah, tennis. Exactly. Yeah. Like when the, when there's not more than one thing moving, it makes it more accentuated that the ball is moving so fast and they're doing so much to get to it. So
1: that and all the people just difference. in suits around the sidelines, the right. ball boys, <laughs> and, also and the line judges. Baseball needs more people
0: in suits, basically, is what we're saying. I agree. I'm <laughs> glad, I'm glad. Yes. More umpires, not less. Each mission of an umpire. Yes. All right, man. So what do you say we serve up some meatballs here, some stuff Let's about last with, week's game to, to look at some fun little factoids and stuff that happened? Uh, I'll start this week. Our, the one was, holy cow, I didn't I didn't watch all of Saturday's game, unfortunately, but I did I did catch Bobby Bradley hit his first home run um, in the seventh inning and lost to the Twins. He absolutely crushed that thing. Uh, it was an ugly game, other than that, but um, it was a 93-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball, which I don't know why you pitched that to Bobby Bradley. Um, But if If his first few few games have taught us anything, it's that they're going to throw breaking balls to him and maybe he can just destroy a mistake once in a while, which would be good. Um, But according to StatCast, it was hit 113.5 mile per hour, went 457 feet and had an expected batting average of 990. So that was probably going to be a home run. It's the second longest Indians home run in StatCast era behind Mike Napoli from September 2nd in 2016, also against the Twins. Um, another neat thing about it from Suspedis Family Barbecue, they said of the 70 home runs hit by left-handers during last week's home run derby at Progressive Field, zero of them were hit as hard, and only two were hit as far as Bobby Bradley's home run. So Bradley was just in a game facing a real pitcher in a tough situation to hit it farther than batting practice home runs. Yeah, he, so that's he beat the shit out of baseball. Jesus he did. Was, I mean, Tom I was... Hamilton lost his mind at that.
1: Oh, man. Lord in heaven. Like... That's everything that he is. I he's he has shown us everything he is. Uh, the, today yeah, um, that's right. they they showed him like I think he, he only has extra base hits so far. Um he, and he struck out roughly at you know a metric ton basically. He is everything he was advertised to be. And I mean you watch that home run and more so than I think anyone else who's demonstrated any level of potential on this team, any of the young guys whether Ricardo or any of the young pitchers or anyone like that. That's just I mean, Jesus Christ, man. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> but ben- yeah. So yeah, he has eight total hits and six of them for extra bases. So there
0: you what, go. if he's just a guy who kills mistakes, that's not terrible to have in your lineup somewhere who can crush him seven hundred feet. I'm just shocked he saw a fastball at all. <laughs> it's the surprising thing to me.
1: How can he get better though? What, 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 what you know, like that's the real question. What, what what would he have to start doing to become good? You know, make it a a real thing. I guess. And the answer is lay off. I guess breaking balls down in the zone, but. If you're a down-in-the-zone hitter, and he is such a prototypical left-hand hitter, he just loves to crush fastballs down in the zone.
0: I think just getting better at killing junk is what's going to do, because I don't know if that's a skill he's just going to pick up to be able to stop. That's just who he is. He's going to swing at everything, but if he can actually, because you remember before this game, there were a bunch of balls that looked like he should have killed them, and he knew it, and he wasn't mad about it, so I think getting better at killing the junk balls that get thrown to him when he gets more confident and is ready to do that more, that's what's going to be to make him at least average, above average, maybe, and crushing a ton of home runs, which is good, so...
1: So I noticed something uh, on today about Francisco Lindor, uh, and this isn't really just a today thing or this week thing, but it's a, it's a career-wide thing. And I did a little research on this before the podcast. Have you noticed how dirty Francisco Lindor's helmet is lately? It is absolutely I coated have, yeah. in pine tar. Just, just it, it, it is. There's no sheen to it at all, and this has been a growing thing all year, which is normal. Obviously, the more pine tar you keep on using the same helmet, it becomes a thing. I looked at how his helmet looked last year, early, mid, and late in the season. Clean as a whistle, the entire way through, shining like a diamond out there. I don't know what this means, Matt. I don't know what what conclusion to draw from this. Except he decided he liked using pine tar, but he he also uses gloves, so it's not like he's just swinging barehanded and needs a, But isn't that interesting? It is. I, f- I feel now like he's trying shift. to send us
0: a message somehow. The the pine There's tar. There's something going and, uh, on here. The turtleneck.
1: There's a turtleneck. <laughs> the pine tar is he going to retire from baseball and disappear into the Northeastern <laughs> woods and live in the pines with turtles? I don't know. That's something, but he's just, he's becoming more, if there's one way I could describe Francisco Lindor, and this is not a negative way in any way, because you know, it's, there's also the substance to it, but he's incredibly flashy. Uh, he just, he's a dazzling talent in every single way. He's a, he's a glowing beacon. Um, that There's a reason he's the face of, of baseball at this point. I mean, you know at the all-star game he's he's mic'd up he's wearing a gold chain he looks incredible he has a rust of westbrook-esque fashion sense but yeah he's a dirty boy now and this cannot be overlooked francisco
0: dirty boy lindor that's that's his new nickname there you go <laughs> all right so my next one so trevor bauer he's after the all-star break i heard that um first Tony francona talked about it and then the reporters asked trevor bauer about it is that he's usually bad out of the break i, I never really realized that so i went back and looked and just of course, this is a super small sample. It can be completely random. It's just noise. But he is kind of terrible out of the all-star break. Um all the way back to 2012 when he was he started with the Diamondbacks, only had three innings pitched. He allowed four three runs. 2014 he was pretty good. Um six inning pitched, three runs, and then it was just bad for several years. There was one year in 2017 where he pitched two thirds of an inning and was knocked out. Um there's a couple he made at four innings before he was knocked out. But this time finally, on Saturday, even though he lost, he came out of the break and pitched really well, six innings, eleven strikeouts. It was not even close, his best start since coming out of the All-Star break in his career. So that was kind of neat that he's finally... I didn't know that trend even existed, but it's kind of a thing that Trevor Bauer seems to come out slow. I guess it'd also be attributed to the fact that Trevor Bauer has been wildly inconsistent in the past, so his bad starts have kind of just come after the All-Star break, but I don't know. I, I thought it was neat. He kind of also acknowledged it. He didn't dump it off right away. He said he knew that he was bad out of the all-star break sometimes, but he didn't attribute it to being like a creature of habit or anything that whoever asked him the question asked if that was the reason, but he said no. So maybe it's just random. It's just a neat little thing to know that Trevor Bauer happens to be bad out of the all-star break usually, but is really good this time around against the twins, even though it didn't do a whole lot for him. This And this is something I've, I remember this
1: being mentioned last year too, actually, that he, you know, he was having that great year, but he always does kind of struggle out of the break. He's kind of always been a guy who gets better as he pitches later in games, and I wonder if that's just what it is. Having a couple of days off,
0: he said no, but I don't know. Uh, maybe I, I'm sure he just said no because it'd sound bad to say yes. Maybe, but yeah,
1: well, and and, I and maybe and maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. But it's just it's it could just be kind of again one of those things that. It's just one of those things.
0: I mean, I'm not going to say he pitched amazingly. He did give him three home runs, two of them, of course, to Max Kepler. So those don't count. Who's to say? I don't want to I don't wanna steal this as if your next one. Does your next one involve Max Kepler and Trevor It Bauer? does.
1: How would you know? Because okay. I was muttering <laughs> about it, probably. <laughs> okay.
0: So why don't you go ahead with that one?
1: All right. Um. So on yesterday, the 13th, uh, Kyle Body of Driveline Base's good friend, Trevor Bauer, tweeted out, the last time I've seen pitch sequencing like this from Trevor, was in his face Victor Martinez, who he is slash was deathly afraid of. I assume this is an on-the-field thing because otherwise. Uh, Kepler may be the new face of obscure pitch sequencing from him or for him. It should be fun to watch. Anything will be better than these five taters and six PAs. So this is in response to um, what ended up being a strikeout in the, uh, the third at-bat Kepler had against uh, Bauer. He went cutter, 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 fastball changeup. And I got to thinking, I mean, does he really pitch him? all that differently was my main thought so just for reference trevor bauer in general this year sorry i forgot to do this other search uh his pitch breakdown just in general goes a bit like this uh 38.1 fastballs 19 and a half curveballs cutters at 16 sliders at 13.7 change-ups at 8.7 and what's this one where are you pointing to Two seamers at three and a half, and then something else. Whatever. He's thrown one other. Anyway, there you go. So 38. Anyway, here's how he's pitched Max Kepler so far this year. Uh, 45% fastballs, 17.5% changeups, which is a leap in. So 8.7 to 13.5. Again, this is a simple size of only 40 pitches. But then cutters, 15%. at six times. Uh, knuckle curves, six. And sliders, three. So he just basically doesn't throw his slider, which is, you know, one of his better pitches and what he throws. In fact, he doesn't throw curveballs nearly at all to him. Uh, well, 15 seconds. But anyway, very few sliders. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what's, what to take away from that because, again, it's only 40 pitches. But what do you think about that?
0: I think it's neat. I think if Body is saying that Bauer is similarly afraid to him as he was Victor Martinez, that's probably true. I think it's neat that, that they can acknowledge that he's afraid of somebody on the field. I want more well, of that. Well, he's in
1: – I mean, I think acknowledging – no he's, he he was afraid of he's simply saying that the, the 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 mix in pitches is similar to how he pitched the what went and and when Bauer kid was coming up this was when Martinez was still very good i mean just very very good i think that was one of those years where he hit like 331 or something like that but um yeah i don't know it's seeing a guy own another guy who's both are very good players i like i liked Max Kepler last year in 2018 when he wasn't amazing but there looked like there was
0: definitely something there it's the thing that'll be neat in like several years, too, if, if the Indians win a World Series anytime soon. And then they're talking and they interview Trevor Bauer about this one guy who just kept killing him. And then he was a relatively unknown batter named Max Kepler who looked like a Bond villain. And
1: he does. I mean, I guess he kind of, more like a Bond main henchman, I would say.
0: Well, his name is like a Bond villain. And he looks okay, like a yes,
1: that's true. Yes, yeah. He has vo- the name of some sort of European
0: financier. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those are our meatballs this week with some some little tidbits we got to get that song going man i gotta figure it way. i know we'll figure it out Um, But before trevor bauer got murdered by max kepler there was we got to watch the all-star break which was kind of neat carlos Santana was in the home run derby did not do well which i don't think was that much of a surprise we all wanted him to do well but his swing is just too long and it really showed in the world in the home run derby that he's not built to to do that kind of thing but who cares he was the home guy he got a huge ovation when he came out and he struggled at first when he finally got a home run everybody cheered for him so that was really cool um Shane Bieber had a great night he struck out the side got the MVP Brad Hand threw like 20 something pitches which was the most he's thrown this year in any game but apparently it was okayed by Tito just because he hadn't pitched in a while so I guess that's fine but um but yeah, just a really good we I, I saw a lot on Twitter about how great it was for Cleveland me and you aren't there obviously so we don't know but it seemed like looking from the outside, this was a great showcase for not even just the Indians at Progressive Field, but the city of Cleveland. It seemed like they did a great job. It was just sort of a fun night. Like the Futures game was fun too. I live in the city where it was
1: last year, um, and oh, I right, don't yeah. really know if they. I don't really know if they talk about. I don't think they really talked about it being a good representation of Washington D.C. that I remember. And the thing is, I mean, it's D.C. is a bigger town. You know, it's a bigger city. There's way more. There's, there's just lots going on. I just aside from it being, you know, the seat of power for the United States and all things like that. Um, and there are cool things going on all, all throughout the city. like The Smithsonian had a big thing and all that stuff. So um, it is cool to see that Cleveland was so heralded by re- really every writer or broadcaster or... Anyone who had to come to the city to do the broadcasting uh, to, just to do coverage of the game was very nice to see because, I mean, yeah, the issue obviously you have with some a place like D.C. Is it's so transient that half the time you don't get the cool stuff like, the, like, like Cleveland has had the opportunity to kind of grow, you know, cohesive culture, I guess, is a friendly way of putting it. Uh As opposed to DC's lack of cohesive culture, which is just people buying a house and then moving five years later. It really fucks up the land values around here, Matt, which drives me mad. Anyway, that's a different story for another day. Uh, But no, I was now to the game itself. Do I think Shane Bieber deserved the MVP? Yeah, I guess. I mean, not really. Why are the cops going by now? (laughs) Yeah, they are (laughs) right outside your (laughs) window, aren't they? (laughs) Somebody talking shit on Shane Bieber? I'm on my way. <laughs> um what was i gonna say uh i think michael brantley should have gotten it that would been uh, kind of cool too i think he drove in the first run um it's hard to it's hard to give it to a position player a lot of times simply because they only get to have a couple of bats and they have to have a huge impact although mike trout's won it a few times the last couple of years so it's hard to really say um I I like what Shane Bieber did was it more impressive than when than what other pitchers did? I don't know, it's hard to say cuz again we're all do, dealing with single innings and all that stuff. So it's hard to say whether that was the most impressive. He pitched himself into a hole in two of those at-bats, I believe, right? He ended up being in 3 and 2 counts and then in classic Shane Bieber fashion locked them up with the combination of pitch mix and control.
0: I think like you said it was close enough that to other pitchers and in that kind of case it's fine just to give the tie break to the home pitcher, who cares? That's the all-star game. He won a truck out of it. That's fine. And you know what? <laughs> you just want neat he won a truck out of it. That's true. <laughs> it was kind of neat that he, he wasn't even on the roster or even considered until a few days before. And then suddenly, like, what? Wait, Shane Beaver's here? What? And then he was so good. And then he just, I think he said something along the lines of he was like numb as he was winning it. And it was, that's really cool that. Cleveland did a really good job of just showing love to all their players and former players this year. Like even Michael Brantley, there wasn't any stupid booing of him which I didn't think would have made any sense. If only booed him,
1: I would. Oh,
0: <laughs> there was people who like chanted Rajai Davis at a at, um, Chapman. One of our questions later is um, from from Akron, Ohio. He wanted to know, w- did, could you hear the chants on the TV broadcast? I went back and checked and yes, you could hear him. But at good. the same time, I don't think he cares a whole lot. He won the no, World I I, th- I
1: think you're probably right. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I understand in terms of talent and stuff, but I don't know why they,
0: they, they, why they didn't have
1: uh, hand clothes, you know? That makes the most yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that
0: made absolutely no sense. It didn't that's, make any that's sense. That's the worst they, of everything.
1: To, 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 to the end of my days, I will, I will be wondering about that
0: whole decision by the hated Alex Cora, the villain. I mean, maybe just he doesn't like has. Cleveland. He just, just saying, fuck you, and I'm going to have Hurdles Chapman close You know the game, what, Alex? But... Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> now, the one thing we didn't mention yet, which is one of my biggest takeaways from the whole Arster weekend is Francisco Lindor, that no matter how he truly feels, he played this weekend absolutely perfectly. He was the the ambassador for Cleveland. He kept saying my city and my team. So either he knows or he, he hopes or something that maybe he just truly does love Cleveland. He said that he wanted to show everybody how great the city is. And I don't doubt that. To a certain level, I'm sure he loves the city and everything, um, and he loves his team. He wanted. He was saying that he doesn't – he said they're going to add pieces and be good in the second half, which general manager Francisco Lindor says it. I'm going to believe it. Um, but either he is he wants an extension and he wants the city to love him, or he's positive he's going to walk and he wants total chaos when he goes because he has put himself in a position that – he's put the Dolans in a position to either extend him or the city's going oh, yeah. to burn the ground. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, <laughs> that was my oh, favorite man. thing watching all that is he played this like a fiddle.
1: Oh, he shit on the Dolans just by being the, <laughs> the absolute man, and you're just like, oh, you got that? Ooh, like you there's there's no way around it. He he simply made them look terrible in every way. If they don't offer him a legitimate huge, you know, extension, they they only look terrible. He was friendly, cool, fun, interesting, great, uh, both on camera and on the field, and he said everything perfect. And the only thing that you can do now is. Enjoy him while you can. Oh God! The wor- the single worst soundbite by an owner. Uh, well, not the worst. It's Donald Sterling. It? Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> outside of, in terms of on the, uh, in terms of something that's not borderline criminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in terms of just malfeasance turned your fan base. This is the worst thing that's ever been said. Well, at least in the last long time. I can't think. I mean,
0: I'm I mean, sure he's some- turned enjoy him into a like a meme against his own team it's ridiculous like you can't talk yeah, about I francis without people saying it now
1: well not even against his own team just against him not, right. not, not against the team or even the front office the ownership group because him saying that places all the onus on only the ownership group which is him and his kid or whatever or him and his dad i don't know i don't know which <laughs> one he his is. brother <laughs> whatever and i don't know <laughs> i'm not sure what do you want from me there's all these dolems adopted off the
0: street and gave a bunch of money
1: Listen, all these damn Dolans are terrible at owning sports teams. All right, but uh, yeah, you put all the owners on onto only the ownership crew because I mean, if Antonetti's like, I they didn't give me any money. What do you want from me? Uh, and then the team's like, we tried our damnedest and we tried to make this a nice, welcoming place for him. But once again, a big time agent uh, turns us down. So well, if they
0: try that shit, hell no, <laughs> absolutely well, not. Well,
1: that's that. That's the thing. I mean. I don't know what the actual numbers would look like. I don't know why I'm looking at Mike Trout's stats right now, but I just, I am. Anyway, uh, I don't know what they look like because Francisco Lindor is, again, one of the best players in baseball.
0: I think the only way to mitigate the damage is to just, you almost have to just be honest about it. You can't just say that we tried so hard, you didn't want to come back. You got to just say we couldn't pay him what he wanted. Like, you're going to get a lot of shit for that, but at least you're being honest about it. that's,
1: That's the only thing you can do. You can say we offered him, I don't know, I mean... They're gonna catch shit because it's it's gonna be you're poor as yeah, they, fuck they can't, you can't, spin can't afford any good players. We we got the we got the best player since you know, the best position player for the team since Nap Lajoie or something like that. And I been mean, probably not that far back, probably just Jim Tomey, as far back as we have to go <laughs> to find a position player as
0: as impactful as Francisco I mean Lindor. it depends on what he does from here on out, but it's it's quite a trajectory right. he's on, so Well
1: exactly. And, and again he is if, if 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 they paid him, he'd be the greatest player in, in Cleveland history in by the end of his career. Uh, I don't know if he would be the best player, but this is all one of those classic conversations where what is greatness and what is best. You know what I mean? Like what is greatness versus excellence and things like that. He's just such yeah. a he's a he's a perfect representation of everything a team would
0: want their
1: their face to be, and and he played the re, he played out the owners real good.
0: It was so really good. good. I don't. I I watched um I watched as much as I could of like the interviews beforehand and everything, and it was. I don't. I'm not trying to make it sound like he's not being sincere, but I also know that he's not stupid. He's he played it so perfectly, and I love. No, it. that's the thing. I, love, I, I I love everything about it.
1: I fully think he's being sincere. I think he likes playing. I think Cleveland. it's a mix Who of both. No, <laughs> um, oh, definitely no. I, I I think it is a mix a mix of both. I think he likes playing in Cleveland. I think he likes it. The fans embrace him, and he's embraced the city because it's a city that embraces you. Yeah, and you actually that wrote about that he, like, Yeah, yeah, I wrote about that last week. It's, I mean. It's 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 amazing to see the 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 various favorite sons of Cleveland be just, you know, this kid from Puerto Rico or, or a dude from Venezuela or, you know, just uh, the guys from whatever the opposite of Cleveland, Ohio might be. Uh <laughs> these guys are from there and they're utterly embraced and beloved by the fan base.
0: Yeah, it also can't go unsaid that how much they how nice it was everything Carlos Carrasco they did. They did the stand up. He was part of the festivities pretty much all year or all weekend long. He wore that jersey that had all the names on the back that was really cool at the Home Run Derby, so they just made sure to get everybody involved, including Carrasco, who was who obviously deserved it, and then even CC Sabathia came in and talked to the pitcher for the last out. That was kind of cool because that was it fun. It's always
1: nice to see. I mean, you know, it, it's amazing that he's a
0: big old goofball.
1: CC Sabathia is the um, well, I guess just the most recent example, not the most recent, but the biggest example of big time free agent in his prime who uh, didn't take the deal from Cleveland, and he was offered a pretty good deal. I mean, that that's that that, that can't be. That can't be slighted. He when he was hit the free when he hit free agency, it was the biggest deal ever offered by the Cleveland Indians. But he went obviously for much more money. But it's hard to hate CC Sabathia. I he he worked so hard for the Indians, and then also they traded him away before he could. Uh, you know, before his actual free agency, and he was an absolute horse in Milwaukee too. Before he went to New York, didn't he pitch like every four days or something ridiculous? Dude, he thing. was just—I mean, he was there for like a month and a half, and he—I think he should have won the Cy Young. I think I think he pitched every three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, they and, like, knew like, they, was... know what they had him for so they got as much out of him as they could. Yeah,
1: so. just, just just a bunch of complete games and just shutouts and
0: sort of related to CC Sabathia and pitching. I guess let's talk about what the Indians were looking at for their bullpen. It was. I mean, it was considered a weakness coming in, which I always thought was kind of weird that they're, they're going to have some people bounce back, hopefully. But now Dan Otero is going to be coming back soon, and Brad Hand pitched really well on Sunday night, and his eyes are still black as ever. And I don't know, Nick Whitgrin, I can't remember the last thing he did, but Nick Goody looks super good in one outing. So it's it's still a very confusing bullpen. I think it's still a very, the Indians are throwing whatever they can and see if it works kind of thing. But, but what do you think where we're at with the bullpen now heading into the second half, which is going to be super important because... They've blown a couple games coming in, so we've got to see if they're actually going to be anything good or if we're going to be in trouble again with them.
1: I was thinking about this uh, mostly after the Twins on Saturday? Saturday. Saturday? I don't know, whatever. Friday. I think Friday. Friday.
0: Well, is the one where they didn't blow it, really. It was the defense, but it was kind of a mix of both. Yeah. And it's still fair great. to say the bullpen wasn't great.
1: Um, It's not a great, great bullpen, right? And I think we talked about this last week, too. It's definitely a bullpen that's uh, greater than the sum of its parts. And uh, I... I know we complain a lot about Terry Francona because it's fun to complain about Terry Francona sometimes. (laughs) Um, He upsets us with his decision-making and lineup construction at times. That said, I think this is his greatest uh, work in bullpen management since he's been the manager of the Indians. This is probably the least talented bullpen he's had um, since he came to – I'm trying to think. What would have been worse? Because he came in. Tw- I mean, I'm I- obviously we, we could say 2013 was, but the team won 70. Er, well, actually, no, the team won 92 games. Uh damn, they won 92 games in 2013. I forgot about that. Jesus, Wait, yeah, they've I never four?
0: lost under Tito, so never had a losing season. Yeah, it's
1: true. They've always had a, a winning record, and I think the part of that is again his good bullpen management. Obviously, it's easier when your bullpen has fourth, Andrew Miller and Cody Allen is. at their peak. Yeah. yeah, well, well, that's the thing. Or or, or in their yeah, again like. The, the The fourth best arm in the bullpen is Dan Otero at his at his absolute best, popping off a 153 ERA. You know, like when you're doing when you have that to work with, you are riding pretty, you know, pretty smooth. But even like, you know, like the bullpen mafia days, th- those guys were pretty good. I think probably better than most of what's going on with them now. Perez, Brian Shaw, Allen, well, yeah, like Cody Allen was their third best pitcher. Well, not Rez Perez. Perez but that's either here or there. Rich Hill, but before he became God, was still a good loogie guy. So. I think this is probably his least talented bullpen and he's doing such a great job of using them in a judicious manner. And you know, times are going to happen when you get bombed by the best offense we've seen out of the twins in a long time and the best offense in baseball. It's going to happen. It's the way things go. But I think if, and we're going to get to this probably if we talk uh, trade deadline stuff, I think if they really want to make a move, getting another bullpen arm might be huge boost because if, you know, all of a sudden your second best pitcher isn't Nick Whitgren, it's one of the guys on the uh Giants, you know, that's that's a, that's a considerable boost. Uh because bullpens are very much a year to year thing. And I it's it's hard to count on a lot of these guys to continue to be good because they were never really great to begin with. So if they could get a any one of like Sam Dyson, like, you know Melanson, someone I mean not maybe not the stinks, but uh, you know, anyone like these. Will Smith, I'm sure, is on the shopping blo- or on the trade block. And these guys at the And I'm just mentioning the Giants as an example because I read an article yesterday or two days ago or whatever it was about how they could quickly restock what is a terrible farm system by trading away four or five of these guys in addition to Madison Bumgarner. The Indians are fine you know, starting pitching-wise, but it's just that the bullpen is still good, but I think good because they're being utilized in just the right way. And that's a very narrow
0: uh, tightrope to walk. So I actually disagree on trading for a bubble pen I think I do the opposite. I think
1: Ooh, I'm wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. Ooh.
0: <laughs> I think if when the trade deadline comes, which we can make this our, our trade deadline section if you want, is to throw your hat into the ring of what's going to happen, but I would I would put the money on Brad Hahn being traded for the ton of value you're going to get for him knowing you can you can rely on Terry Francona to use his guys correctly and also whatever the hell we've talked about it a bunch of whatever the Indians are finding in these random relievers, you can trust someone else to be your closer. And then they've just got to look for like a Chris Archer type trade. It's not going to be as dramatic, obviously, because I'm not trading a starting pitcher in my fantasy land, but they've got to find something to restock for now instead of just getting a bunch of low-level prospects. And I don't think Brad han is going to be worth anything more than he is right now ever compared to Trevor Bauer, who will still be worth a lot in the off season and probably not a whole lot less than you're going to get for him now. So just do another run with him. But I don't know. I've always thought that their bullpen this year has been good enough, and I don't know if they're walking quite as tight a rope. I think it's they know something <laughs> like they're getting all these good relievers that are working out even like Adam Simber on Sunday he he came in bases loaded i thought that would have been kind of a cool situation to see tito go back to really doing the right thing and using brad hand in that situation when it was like the seventh inning i think but he went to adam simber and it worked he got him out so um which again that's another one who's come out of nowhere recently has been looked pretty good as adam simber so maybe that's another one who's who's decent for tito but i don't know i think as far as putting guesses out there for the trade deadline mine is going to be brad hand is dealt somewhere which kind of sucks i like brad hand but i think he's the one who makes the most sense to trade now and hold on to trevor bauer i don't know of anybody else who would really be traded um you know, obviously you can't trade kluber now if you ever wanted to but it's really between those two and i don't think the indians are all out selling i don't think they're going to trade i think they've even said they're not going to trade any of their, their chop chip prospects to buy into anything but if they can find another like similar josh donaldson deal from last year where they traded julian merriweather for him Maybe they do that, but I don't know if there's anything out there this year quite like that. So as far as a trade, I think it's going to be Brad Hand is where I am betting and people can clip this and <laughs> send it to old days exposed or whatever. But that's that's my guess is Brad Hand gets traded before anybody else. All for right, the deadline. so I, d-
1: I don't disagree with you. I think any Brad Hand, you know, deal might need to bring back some decent reliever. I guess I mean, I guess I guess I'm, I was talking more from the sense of if they were going all in on buying it by, you know.
0: Well, I can see him, um, so it's probably like getting a reliever back, like focusing the Brad hand trade on getting whatever good hitter you can now that's either in the majors or like Oscar Mercado last year who's was just about to come through, and then trading some other minor prospect for a reliever with whatever magical sauce the Indians have for relievers.
1: If if we're talking about them trading at all, are we listening to the general manager, Francisco Lindor and talking about adding pieces? Because obviously trading away, Brad Hand is a subtraction of a piece. I don't know. It's it's hard. I mean, but, but besides that, like, what would what else would a Brad Hand deal bring back? You know, I mean, I know we beat the drum pretty hard from Whit Merrifield, but you're not going to get Whit Merrifield for for Brad Hand. An extra year of a closer doesn't help the the Royals rebuild out any at all. So it's just you you wonder if it's going to be a, 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 a multi move like you trade him away and then you you take those prospects and trade that for Whit Merrifield. I don't know. That's a, that seems like a weird move.
0: I mean, but there's also, the, the, the I never seem to be bright about these things. I, anybody listening probably noticed neither of us did any guesses for players because we we're both terrible at it. It's fine. It's always somebody I never even thought of and like, oh, yeah, that fits. Yeah, all right, yeah. You <laughs> so nod, yeah. you go, yeah, all right, yeah. It's, <laughs> I saw that coming. Seems, I knew it. That seems fair, I think. <laughs> See, I, uh, I have a feeling it's going to be something like that. It's going to be, I don't. I can't even make a good, good example because I can't think of it off of my head, but they have the whole like NL Central to deal with, who they could trade to, because if I'm not mistaken, almost every one of their bullpens is pretty bad, they could, other than the Brewers, um, and that whole division, anybody could win it. So if any of them just decide they're going to step up and try to win, then that's a lot of suitors they could have there, um, like the Cardinals, Cubs, those kind of teams, the Dodgers, they don't maybe not a reliever, but if they trade Trevor Bauer, the Dodgers are, are going to be in the mix, so. Um, the Braves are another one who may, maybe they could trade. Who needed, they need a reliever. They got a lot of young players. Who, by the way, they also have this guy named Matt Joyce, who's really good off the bench, <laughs> and who was released by the Indians prior to the season. So, no, oh, you know, um, I mean, yeah,
1: you, you can't predict baseball, Susan, so That's all.
0: <laughs> Uh, so one other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, not not Indians related, but it's kind of a cool thing that happened. I, I guess I shouldn't say it's cool. I think it's cool, but some people hate it. Um, MLB has basically what is amounts to a guinea pig league in the Atlantic League. They they put all the weird rule changes in there. At one point, they put a line to to ban the shift. They To done, be clear, the Atlantic League is an independent league. Right. It's not affiliated, but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's clearly where MLB is testing things. And they did the robot umps are there now. Um, and then one they just started, which also today on Sunday, there was the first, um, the first stolen attempt of this, which was you could steal first base now. That's a thing. Um, so any ball that's thrown and not caught by the catcher, so it has to, the ball has to be pitched, has to make it to the catcher, and either it gets by him or it's a wild pitch. You can sprint to first base if you think you can make it. And there was one video of it on Sunday. It looked really cool. I like it a lot. Um, it was about as new as I thought it would. It adds. Like one of the most exciting things in baseball is when there's a runner on third, and you know that if a ball gets away, people are going to be running. Even not on third, if there's like a guy on first, and there's that moment of tension of is the ball going to go far enough away and they can run. So to have that for like leadoff batters and everybody available, I think that's really cool. Just the rule of you can steal first base if the ball gets away.
1: I've never understood why they. I mean, I I get why you can't, but it makes sense why you should be able to, if only because yeah, oh yeah the 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 point of the defense when you think about it is they have control of the ball at all times, right? And the only way you can dis- disrupt that control is by hitting it and putting it into a place where they no longer have control of it, and thus you can run around the bases. Except in a t- situation where the pitcher airmails one and it just bounces around. You know, like, Then you just have to stand around and wait for the, the, the catcher, catcher to, to dig get a it out there. <laughs> Right, exactly. So the more I think about it, the more it makes sense that this is totally fine. It just why why not you know what i mean also like honestly if this is in the major leagues it would happen so little simply because those catchers have goddamn cannon they it they, they're so good that it would be nigh impossible for anyone to to, to pull this off a lot of times i mean obviously there's times where it, where it just you know he airmails one and I and mean, we see it on drop third strikes and things like that so may, maybe it would happen more often but
0: and it does also make like Catches like Roberto Perez more valuable because he blocks so many balls so right exactly no it it definitely speedster is more valuable who can't make contact so it helps players I don't know who this actually hurts for play other than bad defensive catchers I guess but I also saw somebody mention that The, the accentuation of of the good
1: of the good defensive catcher I think we already know that Roberto Perez is probably has more impact to the game than whatever his wins above replacement numbers are. And obviously whatever his, I know he's having a good offensive year, but whatever his pitcher ERA and things like, and and caught steal, like his, his overall command of the game, like someone like uh, Yadier Molina, you could talk me into him winning an MVP a couple of those years when he was really at his peak, you know, like I, I, he had one or two years where he was like a seven win player, but even beyond that, his just general command of everything going on on the field and things like that. It's, it's so easy to understate, you know what I mean? Like, I think there was a what, 2012, he had a 7.2 wins above replacement. He had a 130, you know, an 874 OPS. But even beyond that, just his command of the game, the the blocking, the throwing, the the not, the 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 not impact of, of all these things, of making sure a batter doesn't or a runner doesn't move bases is still almost impossible to quantify. And this just adds another thing that we can chat about, about why this guy is so great you know what i mean it's, he just he doesn't let him get to first base like the, you know it's 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 it at least gives another statistic i guess would, would, would be a good one you know what i mean like i don't know what that was like advance on what aowps or whatever you know wild wild pitch advances that wpa already exists damn um does it count as a hit or yeah. a steal? That's another. No, thing. I think I think that would. Well, I don't know. Actually, it would be because a if new it's a hit, thing.
0: It's yeah.
1: It would just. Be... It would be a plate appearance, but it wouldn't be a hit. It would be like a walk, but it would be a different thing, right? Like like a, like a hit guess. by pitch. Because
0: um, it shouldn't maybe... affect your batting average. That's one thing. No, but because it should definitely not... affect
1: your on base percentage. So it wouldn't right. count as an at bat. It would count as a plate appearance and a getting on base. So it would have to. Ca- you'd have to. There'd be a new stat. Basically, yep. I don't know what it would be. But it would, it would have to exist because there's another way of getting on base. You know, like a wild pitch on base. What W-B-O-P.
0: W-B-O-P. Nice. <laughs> it also W-bop. brings some other things um, into the equation. Like, you're going to have to strictly define what it means to be running to first base. Because, like, there's a lefty up at the plate and you throw it towards their head and they, like, stumble back and, like, go towards first base. Does that count as the catcher can throw it to first and assume he's running?
1: it'd be one of those pornography situations you know you know when you see it for a while just
0: uh yeah. like a,
1: the the, the back gets dropped and he's you know he's a couple he i just one of those off. things when you know
0: you know what's happening you know what i mean like you, you
1: but but i guess over time you, you're right it would get a little bit messy
0: yeah because eventually like people are going to find the little tiny crevices they can exploit from it and say like he looked like he was running the first so we assume he's running the first and he's out so it's kind of, I don't know you if know it's good means, or bad. It's kind Matt. of an interesting t- conversation topic. What's that?
1: More arguing from the managers. We've lost so yes. much of that with review and stuff. <laughs> We're back, baby. And with the We're robot going to go
0: even further. <laughs>
1: to men in pajamas yelling at men in suits. Nothing is better than this. This is why I watch this stupid game. And I also saw I, someone mention
0: that this kind of um so when when the robot umps eventually take over and destroy the world you won't need a good catcher back there anymore so this rule kind of dictates you can't just have a gary sanchez everywhere because Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to have some kind of competent catcher you can't just put a dh behind the plate just because so it's kind of another neat thing that it keeps talent back there instead of letting you hide somebody there because i mean without it what do you need a good catcher for really if other i guess calling the game clearly but but you and need again, to have and, more athletic things,
1: and I just I, I like I like that it, it, it puts more of an onus on the on the defense to to do their job. Like I said before, controlling the ball that that's their entire. In, it's the only sport where the the defense has the control of the ball. You know what I mean. And this is just puts more onus of them on that. So I like it a lot, and I and I think I think they should do it because why not? Who cares, right? Like, is it really going to destroy baseball? No, it creates more. Di- I, I said this before, but about how it's it's a hard game to to televise everything going on because it's it's a combination of dynamic and and static at all times. It adds more dynamism to it and it's a thing that creates more tension. And tension may, means it's more inter- and more interesting means more eyes and you know, it's good's good for television. So I love it. I'm I'm all in 100%.
0: All right. So we say we answer? I guess we're we'll, we're running late now, so let's we'll do one question. But um, every Sunday we ask you guys four questions on Twitter and Facebook. This week I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the ones so you can defend your boy over here um, from at the new recusant on Twitter. He asks, when will the Jake experiment end, Merritt? When is we gonna stop the insanity? Jacob Bowerton. He's still out in the outfield. He's gonna be out there for a while. I thought this was going to be about uh,
1: Roger Federer.
0: To be clear, I'm not a Roger Federer fan. <laughs> I just enjoyed watching the Wimbledon
1: final day. Damn. <laughs> Novak Djokovic is fine. His legs look like tree trunks. It's very strange how <laughs> wide those guys' calves are. Maybe I should get into, into uh, tennis. I have very thick calves. Think about that, listeners. Anyway. Uh, Think about Merritt's. the that is show title. <laughs> Merritt's calves. <laughs> Merit thick calves,
0: calves, two
1: C's. Uh, Thick, luxurious
0: calves. (laughs) There, we've said it all.
1: (laughs) So, question being, when will the Jake Bowers experience end? Well, man who just wrote, who wrote in question, whose name I already forgot, which was, was new name Jake? Who wrote, who who was his question from?
0: The new recusant on Twitter.
1: Okay. Can I not read? I don't know. Sure, whatever. Anyway, well, bad news, bud. Over the last, uh over the last uh 28 days jake bowers has an uh, 822 ops over the last 14 days it's 952
0: here come the police Gotham, for man. you oh god <laughs> I heard shit talking about jake bowers i'm gonna get him but, but
1: um I, th- I think uh most instructive let's pull it all the way back to june 1st all the way back to june 1st so we're talking about 30 games uh jake bowers is hitting 279 321 510 that's an 831 ops uh if we stretch that out to an entire season. That would be the, let's see, where would he rank on the Indians? 831 would be fourth, fifth, fourth. He'd have the fourth best OPS on the Indians. Uh, so I don't know how you feel about that. I admit to being a little bit uh eh, about it, like edgy about it, because this is a stretch of time when he only has seven walks to 31 strikeouts. Walks were kind of what he did a lot of last year. He was like top five or 6% in the, in the league in walks. But he's been hitting the ball hard. I've read about this several different times. Uh, and 112 plate appearances is not a small sample size. It's not big, but June 1 to June 13th is about the same amount of time that we usually have to wait from the beginning of the season to whenever before we start talking about things starting to normalize, right? So that's... For which... I mean, it depends on which right exactly what you're yes at. you're right it, it's, it's it's all about what we're looking at in terms of stats yes you're 100 right, right. It, it's it's i think it's
0: or like swing rates anyway. come first like strikeout rates and that kind of stuff is the very first right exactly
1: and it, it's, it's it's all it's and there's no barriers it's just the more of something there are the more you have a sense of what's going on right uh, but 112 plate appearances isn't isn't a small deal it's a you know it's a quarter of a, it's a nearly a quarter of a season so it's a 338 BABIP. Talk about how that you want. I don't know. It's it's hard to say whether or not he's good now, but he's not as bad as his season numbers suggest. This is just what we have to deal with. Uh, this is just what we have to deal with because we've talked about this so many times. This is a secret rebuild. Uh, this is a thing that's happening behind the scenes. Um, I don't know. Is it 754 OPS? Would, 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 Matt, would you feel better if his OPS was
0: 40 points higher? Yeah, I feel fine with him now. Yeah. I guess compared to what we have, well, <laughs> that's where I am. Let, I mean, of course, if he, it's forty points higher, it's better. But
1: that's over forty-five games and one hundred and seventy-seven plate appearances. If you stretch that out, that, and it includes eight home runs, let's say he hit, let's say he hit thirty home runs with a seven-fifty OPS uh, for the season. That's a two-ninety-five BABIP. I mean, I don't know. It's it, they're, they're numbers that make some sense. I guess fourteen walks, forty-eight strikeouts, which is about where he is now. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. What, what do you think? I, I, obviously, it's not going to end anytime soon. This guy's question is silly. He's not yeah. silly. The question <laughs> is silly.
0: But is he's just asking it but, in a way of why no, did he I suck? Know. Basically, which is fine. Like, if you're looking at his overall numbers, like he said, they're not great. But
1: no, not at all. I, he's but, got but, but a think, long,
0: long leash. I assume.
1: And he's been getting better. I, I that cannot be understated. Uh, he's been getting better every single game, every single week, and every single month. And what, where he is now is, I mean, you wrote about it. He 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 has he has adjusted the way he approaches the ball. Um, as I just mentioned, over the last forty-five game, 46 games, 44 starts, uh, 244, 311, 444 with eight home runs. That prorates to a very comfortable number. I think it's a 25 or 30 home run for a, for again, a 20, a guy who's so young.
0: Yeah. He, he must look older to people or something. I don't think nobody realizes, I don't think anybody realizes he's 20. It's a goddamn haircut. He doesn't, he doesn't look (laughs) shaggy at all. He's too clean cut, dude. That World War II veteran haircut he's got going on. Yeah, exactly. He's looking like, he's
1: he's looking like uh, Steve Rogers out here. God damn, dude. (laughs)
0: All right. That's going to do it um, for us this week. Thank you for listening, everybody. Subscribe on iTunes. Apparently Google Play does not work right now, but anywhere else you get podcasts besides Google Play, uh, go ahead Google and not leave play, a review. Roast there you go. Google Work. Here we go. Look at that. Did you see that? Oh, God. Did see what oh, I did, how could you say these things? <laughs> <laughs> Burned them, smoked them. <laughs> Got them. Subscribe, comment, review. Talk to you next week, man.